listening to episode 6 of the Mistcast. That's no mood. I'm your host, Jonathan Crummett. And I'm Johnny Dollar. And with us today, we have Justin Beware the Barba. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hello, everybody. And very special guest who may or may not talk, Gianna Barba. That's right. Say, say hello, Gianna. She's waving. She's waving at everybody. It works. All right. Before we kick off this episode, I want to jump in and um, say something really quick. In our holiday episode special, we oh, had some holiday special. We we featured some music, and I'd like to credit them since we didn't mention them uh, in the podcast. The music that we featured in that holiday, excellent holiday episode, was uh, Warp Eleven mm-hmm. with the song "She Make It So." They're a great band. One of my favorites. Check them out online. Warp11.com. Their new album, Borgasm, which is available on iTunes right now. It's a rock opera about the Borg. So, I'm listening to it. Of course I am. Sounds fantastic. Movies. Alright, so MizCon 6 was in May of 1991. It's a good year. There's a few more movies uh, to speak of in, in 1991. There are a few good ones. I'll throw the first one out there. One that I was really excited that to see. Uh, featuring still one of my favorite GNR songs was uh, Terminator <laughs> 2 Judgment Day. You're a big GNR fan? Uh, I'm learning to play Sweet Child of Mine on my ukulele right now. <laughs> so you're not a Guns N' Roses fan? <laughs> Whatever. It's pretty awesome. I want to ruin my favorite band's song. <laughs> I want to hear that on the next podcast. Uh, you oh, luck the gauntlet has been thrown down. <laughs> and then there it sits. Please, please, email your comments and requests for Jonathan to play Guns N' Roses songs on the ukulele. Maybe we'll actually get some listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, back to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. That's a good one. It's the, the best sequel to any movie out there. That's very wise words. <laughs> I know, somebody may have mentioned that to me. The other sequels were just so terrible. After that, yeah. they. I, I hear the TV really... show was pretty good. We started watching it. It wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't know. But the, I think, yeah, the, the T-2000, really good bad guy. Yeah, really awesome. Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. And the special effects still hold up today. Yeah. This... It's still as good of a movie today compared to new stuff as it was when it came out 20 years ago. Well, I think part of the problem with a lot of newer movies is that a lot of movies rely so much on just CGI for everything. And what's great about Terminator 2 and a lot of movies from that time period is, you know, we were first getting a lot of CGI, but the practical effect was still, you know, at the pinnacle of what it could do. And the practical effects in that movie you know, are jaw-dropping. Like that scene at the end where uh, Robert Patrick's character, the T-1000... I thought it was 2000. Maybe it's 2000. Right? Where, you know, he... Uh, T-1000 a truck? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think I've got one. It's a battery, probably. <laughs> that scene where he, he's melted and then he reforms, mm-hmm. that was mostly a practical effect that they used using liquid... Uh, not nitrogen. That's what they used to freeze in. Quicksilver. What's that called? Mercury? Mercury. Liquid mercury. That's what it is. I use, I use my alchemist roots when I talk about things. <laughs> and they like filmed it and then played it backwards. Really, really great. Mm-hmm. What else was there? What about you, Justin? What do you think? Oh, I, I think it's a good show. No, what other movies? Oh, movies? Yeah. Okay, The Rocketeer was that year. I remember seeing we, that one in the theater. We know Jonathan Crummett has not seen The Rocketeer. Yeah, Jonathan. For some no. I haven't said that. How do you know that I've not seen The Rocketeer? I know it prior to the miscast. Anyway. Uh, no, it's a good movie. I think it's this worth it. It's kind of got the old-timey feel. I, I like the design kind of Art Deco feel of his outfit. and the, I don't know. It works for me. I haven't seen it in a long time. I can remember very distinctly seeing that movie in the theater. You were like six. I was, let's see, 91. Oh, here we go, doing the math again. It was like six when that came out. <laughs> I remember being in the theater, the Rialto Theater in Jill Lodge, Montana, with my dad. We're watching this movie, and there's this scene where, you know, the promoter is the guy that names him, oh, the Rocketeer. And I turn to my dad and say, I know how they got the name for the movie. 
he told me to shut up. <laughs> it's not really a funny story now that I think about it. <laughs> but no, I, I loved that movie. It was just really well done. I like They that call old. your dad Bullets Bromley for a reason. They do. They do. Also in 1991 was Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country. And that's about as much as we're going to say about that movie. Okay. It was all right. Actually, the one I want to talk about is that the two sequels to the same movie came out the same year. It was an even number. <laughs> Critters 3 and Critters 4. The Critters... It was so good, they had to put two out. <laughs> they had to. Yeah. Kill Bill has nothing Yeah, Critters. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to see Quentin Tarantino's reboot of the Critters movies. <laughs> the Critters franchise, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's a Gremlins ripoff. Or, and I believe it actually predates Gremlins, the first one does. But 3 and 4, one of them took place in space, which was 3... Number four took place in like an apartment high-rise, and it was one of Leonardo DiCaprio's first movies, where he plays just some kid who fights back against the crits, and the alien bounty hunters are there. More movies should have alien bounty hunters in them. Yeah, there, there should be an alien bounty hunter movie. They should, where he's, <laughs> I don't know, maybe hunting some soldiers in what's not really Vietnam. I bet Arnold Schwarzenegger would be in that movie. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Alrighty, so that... Let's let's move on from movies here. We haven't talked about literature in a long time, so what have you all been reading lately? Well, a really great book that I just finished, which I think is probably one of my favorite books now of, well, at least the year that I've read so far, is David Wong's John Dies at the End, which it's such a great, interesting story about how he got it published. The idea was he was working as a data processor for like 70 hours a week. He was just hating his life, so he went home one night and wrote a short story about him and his best friend killing a monster made of meat and put it online, and then six people read it. And so he had this blog where he's, like, making up these stories about him and his best friend, like, fighting evil. And it took off. And the book is incredible. Like, it is a book that you will want to sit down and read in one setting. It is about two guys who find this strange drug, which they call soy sauce, that, that, that takes you to the next level. Next level being you can see everything. And now that they've done it, they can see ghosts and things like that. And people are always mailing them, like, this weird stuff. And Who's the writer? His name's well, it's not David Wong. David Wong is who's credited at it, but that's the character name in the book. It's a pseudonym for he's one of the editors of Crack.com. And it's a great book. There's a movie coming out this year, uh, which I was kind of mad about till I read the book. Uh, Don Coscarelli is going to be the director, who I think this is perfect, because if I were to compare the book to a movie series, it would be the Phantasm series. At least the good ones. I was actually going to bring it to the writer's group on Saturday to let you look at it. But yeah, John Dies at the End by David Wong gets the Johnny Dollar thumb of approval. How about you, Justin? Um, I'm reading a couple of things right now. I'm reading The Demon Prism, Carol Berg's newest book. It just came out last week. It's very good. Uh, it's up to her stand. It's the final book in her newest series. So if you've read the others, pick this one up. It's just as good as the prior two. I uh, also, I would say, I, I recently finished John Scalzi's Android's Dream. Hmm. Very good book. Very funny. Uh, it's got some uh, age-inappropriate things to discuss that occur right at the beginning of the book, but it's a, it's a shocker that pulls you in and races right to the end. I've just started the third book of uh, Brendan Sanderson's Mistborn I, I see trilogy. Like, I see those in the, in the store, and I think maybe I should buy them. But I, I, you know, if I ever got to you know, throw a, a vote out for a future MizCon guest, I would put in Brendan Sanderson, because this is the second kind of series I've read through him, and I really like him. I really love his magic systems. Gianna does, too. Gianna agrees. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. We've met his agent. We have some connections, so hey, we'll, we'll see what we can do. It'd be really cool to get him. His newest, uh, his Jordan books are fantastic. He finished I've heard that, yeah. The Wheel of Time, Jordan, and Robert Jordan, they're very good. But to go back to the Mistborns, like his, 
his he has three magic systems that he kind of features in it. The main one is Allomancy, okay. where your heroes imbibe metals and burn. And I may have mentioned it on another podcast, or maybe I, I was just talking. About, yeah, maybe I just tell this story a lot. Anyway, the uh, the Allomancers imbibe metals, burn them, that gives them different powers. Like pewter enhances your strength, tin enhances your senses, um, brass allows you to push on people's emotions, and so forth. Uh, and also the main characters. Uh, female in it, really strong uh, woman main character. They're they're really great. Highly recommend them. Now, is any of the like metal they imbibe in in food form? No, they keep them in uh, in vials. Okay, so it's not like there's an apple made of tin. No, <laughs> which you could drink, which is a periodic table joke that's probably only funny to me. <laughs> Snapple, S N, tin. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Never now. mind. I get it. Anyway. Speaking back, you know, we'll jump back to the, to the Jordan books. When a long-running series like that comes to an end, I mean, there's a lot of fans. You know, you want to make sure you end it at a place where it's fulfilling, not a cop-out, and gives you a place where you really feel that it comes to a definitive end. A lot of series I can think of that, you know, kind of botched the end or having trouble. Uh, Simon R. Green, his newest, or his last, I should say, Nightside book came out last week, and I'm reading that one right now. And I, I'm reading the book, and I know that he really, if you forgive because I love Simon R. Green, but he can't write an ending to save his life. <laughs> and this is the end of his whole, like, 17-book series, so we'll see what happens. Well, this the, the ending for The Wheel of Time was written by Robert Jordan. Okay. And I saw him recently say, he had written it a long time ago, and I saw Rand Sanderson say uh, on Twitter, actually, through a bunch of tweets, that he had, had gotten to that point, incorporated all of Robert Jordan's stuff, and had to end the way Jordan attended it to exactly. For better so, or for worse. it's done now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I saw, saw that tweet also. Me is gone! So on the 21st coming up here in this very building that we're sitting on, we have the MizCon Winter Game Day. Oh, right. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. It'll be good. It's always a good time. They always are. We'll be having board games, card games, role-playing games, video games, movies, whatever else. Maybe we'll play hide-and-seek through the building. <laughs> we could play... Uh, Kick the can. Cowboy Ninja Bear. Cowboy Ninja Bear. Is that like... It, it's like rock, paper, scissors, but you stand back-to-back and you turn around... You can either be a cowboy, a ninja, or a bear. And like rock, paper, and scissors, you know, one beats the other, but is beaten by the third thing. So when you jump around as a ninja, do you have to vanish? No, you jump around and you, you karate chop in the air. So <laughs> you could video that, John. We could video. do that. We could have a tournament of it. We could have a cowboy, ninja, bear tournament. So anyway, yeah, on the 21st, uh, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. in the Education Center on the University of Montana's campus. Open to everyone. It's free. Yes, come down and play some games. See a good time. John will be there. Anyway, okay. So we have Justin with us today, as you've already heard, the head of the schedule for MizCon 26. How's that coming along? Coming along well. Uh, coming up here, we're going to have a lot more uh, new panels uh, appearing online. A lot of them are put up in the schedule behind the scenes. So right now, if you go to the website and uh, click on the schedule, you can see tentatively how it's going to be. Subject to change, but we're, we're adding things uh, all the time. Uh, Mr. John Bromley has now helped me out by doing the gaming uh, section of it, so so that's kind of progressing well and fairly quickly. So yeah, it's come along. Are there any um, must-see panels that you've plugged in yet? Yes, the Cowboy Thank Ninja you. Bear tournament that missed <laughs> <laughs> uh, Other than that one, I know. Okay, um, we we've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, Dragon Jonay is scheduled to be back, um, unless he and as Hollywood special effects guy, you could ask him about Terminator Two. Uh, I know we worked on that, made some uh, 
familiar stuff. Um, he'll be here. He'll be doing a lot of cool stuff. Some of the same same things he normally does. We'll have a lot of good uh, things between him and Steelmaster Jess. Uh, he's scheduled to be back with pictures of people. I think that'll be fun. Obviously, George Martin. I've got a number of panels. A few of them are live on the website. Uh, he's going to be doing uh, uh, with John Pitts. We've got a, a writer who's not been to MissCon before. Uh, the great guy. They're going to be doing a panel, The Lore of Swords, talking about why people are infatuated with magical swords and and because uh, they're awesome. They are. But panel I done. There's, pro- <laughs> yeah, there's probably more to it than that, and I think those guys will come up with a bunch of stuff. And cool. Cass McGann uh, is is also going to be back. There's a lot of excitement about Cass's panels. People that missed stuff that she did last year are looking forward to seeing uh, some of those, and then also some new stuff. That she- and we may or may not have more about Cass McGann later. May or may not. May or may not. You can go back and just edit this out when we do have something set up. You can just... Are you just, is that just a placeholder for something, or... Uh-uh. You just may or may not, if you're not made up your mind? No, I'm using that. Stuff. Anyway. <laughs> you're the boss. Mornington Crescent. So, uh, now that Justin's here, we figure we can get a third person in on our Mornington Crescent game. Are you familiar with the rules of Mornington Crescent, Justin? Yeah, you told me about it. Okay, so what we're going to do, you know, because we're nice guys, and because we're going by the edit of 1871... Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll start the game. Justin, you can go ahead and, and go first, make your play, and then we'll go on from there. All right. I did I did a little research uh, online earlier, and I it might be cheating, but I found that I'm going to go with Mornington Crescent. Can he uh, do um, that? Well, was there, I was I, um, Elephant and Castle. And I think you... Yeah, Mornington Crescent, Justin. I think... Oh, I think Justin just won. That was brilliant. Wow. It's a um, Russian strategy, actually. It's, it's based on what you guys have done before. Man alive! Did not see that coming. Oh man. Um. Well, I guess that's Mornington Crescent. That wraps it up. I. All right. So recently on Facebook, I asked a question to our listeners, and that was, what they think the last best science fiction was. And I went on to say, you know, if you were to teach a class about science fiction, uh, where would you end it at? What was the last thing you would look at? It could be a book, movie, TV show, video game. Sure. Whatever you like. So we did get a few uh, emails in. Would you like to go to those first, or should we uh, well, throw it around the table somehow? Yeah, well, I, let's go to the emails first. Give me time to think about this. So the first one email that we are going to is from Erica Noble. She writes, to Jonathan W.C. and Johnny Dollar. Woohoo! The last best sci-fi that I feel would be beneficial to mention to a class would indeed have to be Neuromancer is a book. What makes it so compelling is something you will have to uh, it will have to read to find out. But it is filled with the dystopi- dystopian. I can't say that. Uh, oh, you're doing fine. <laughs> cyborgs and Matrix situation. Now keep in mind this book was indeed written and published before the movie The Matrix. As a computer geek, this book really engrossed me and is still one of my favorites to this day. Uh, movie aspect, I would probably have to go with the Matrix trilogy as well as including the Animatrix. Although most of the acting is awful and the fighting is clearly staged, being engulfed in a computer world surrounded by those out to kill you and trying to create a functioning world is pretty brutal, even for sci-fi. That's my input, Erica. Thanks for the email, Erica. Clearly staged fighting. I, You know, when I was watching The Matrix, I thought it was just a couple of dudes just fighting. <laughs> that was choreographed? <laughs> I... Wow. Uh, next one I'll just jump right into because it relates. It says, in literature, I wouldn't have serious qualms with ending at William Gibson's Neuromancer, 1984. <laughs> because after that, science fiction took a turn for the worst. Steampunk, cyberpunk, and all those fantasy, quote-unquote, type elements that followed. Evolving inward instead of outward. I know that makes Stephen Baxter a casualty, but so be it. Signed, Mike Chappell. 
It's interesting about Neuromancer, I mean, because that was sort of the beginning of cyberpunk, more or less, as a genre. I mean, that is working. I mean, in fact, William Gibson was very, very angry at Shadowrun because someone, I, I remember the story, I could be misquoting this, but they said, hey, here's this idea for a role-playing game. We'd like to use some elements from your writing. It's like, well, I don't have a problem with that. And then he got him it's full of elves and orcs and dwarves and magic. And he just mm-hmm. did not, was not pleased with that. Mm-hmm. All right, the next email comes from somebody named James. He says, Neil Stevenson, Anathem, had a distant future society made up of future language, a nature of quantum mechanics, realistic space flight, Monks asking awesome philosophical questions. This is real sci-fi, not just lasers and robots, but allegories and modern-day issues. Signed, James 3. Okay, thank you, James. And then, do you want to read this last one? Because it's really long. Sure. Me no read so good. <laughs> All right. Sure, give me the one full of names I can't pronounce. That's uh, China Mielville. China Mielville. Okay, China Mielville is the one doing right now. I hear a lot of people tossing around the Scotsman, Ian Banks, Charles Tross, and while those guys are good storytellers, they aren't writers. Mielville is a storyteller and a writer. No, it's not just that. He's a craftsman. And his prose, it's got Euclidean geometry. Something about his imagery, his sentences, the hallucinatory ambiguities, the love of crafty and tinged imagination, the Tolkien-grade world-building, without any of the Tolkien-esque tropes. That is the guy that's doing it for me right now. And Embassy Town. Man, that damn book. It starts out slow and strange and unexceptional, but by the end of it, it becomes a love letter to the human language and a profound and powerful metaphor for, well, the power of metaphor. It, for me, sets a new standard for what science fiction is and can do. Otherwise, I think a good argument can be made that, uh... Uh, it's uh, Murakami Haruki. Murakami Haruki is (laughs) science... Oh, this guy, yeah. Yeah, Now that I see the book, I know who he's talking about. Uh, IQ84 is undoubtedly sci-fi, though it won't be recognized as such by those inside the game, the genre. (laughs) Inside the game of science fiction, there are no winners. <laughs> <laughs> and the pretentious litera- literari, litari, literati, who adore Murakami, would never let him be soiled with the label of sci-fi writer either. Take a look at Super Frog Saves Tokyo. Man, I read that. That was one weird story, Super Frog Saves <laughs> I was going to say, that's one weird title. Uh, or Hard-Boiled Ooh. Wonderland and the End of the World. If you're looking for something off the well-tread path of the genre. Uh, from Calavera Hermosa. Uh, thank you so much for your letter. That's some good points. And that's, I mean, I've, there's a couple of writers there that I've always wanted to check out, and now I think that I, I need to. I think Mielville's been on my list, and this just kind of, um, I was actually looking at his book, Kraken, but I think uh, Embassy Town, I might jump that up and read that one first by him. That's yeah, Tom, Tom, I'm actually going to go to my Audible and get the audio book my credit. <laughs> so, so the question is, you know, what was the last great sci-fi? If we're talking about movies, I'll, I'll jump in and I will say, there was this period from like 1997 to like, maybe early 2000, where there was just a string of really great like science fiction, speculative fiction films. Movies that sort of push the boundaries of what movies can be. Uh, Dark City is one that jumps to mind, first of all. A great movie. I, I blows my mind people haven't seen Dark City. It's such it's a really good. well-done, noir-ish, noir-esque. That's, not even, that's two descriptive words. <laughs> oh, yeah, great soundtrack, great cast. The Matrix, before it got messed up by the sequels, The Matrix was, uh, sorry, Gianna's being cute. He's <laughs> waving at Jonathan. <laughs> Telling one? him, quit making Johnny Dollar talk. <laughs> yeah, she's waiting for you to shut up. Yeah, <laughs> takes after her dad that way. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> and films like The Matrix, before it kind of got ruined with the sequels. I really uh, think that was a great time for science fiction. There have been some good sci-fi movies, you know, between, like, 2000 and 2012, where we are now. Uh, Inception was a lot like those movies, like Dark City 
mm. the Matrix. And you, oh yeah, absolutely. But that was like the last great like era of science fiction film that I can distinctly remember. For literature, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't read a lot of science fiction. Like I love science fiction, but I'm more of like reading fantasy and I'm reading mm-hmm. different speculative things as well. Science fiction is not one that I will sit down and usually read. It just doesn't really do it for me book wise. Right. I don't either. Android's Dream, like I said before, I'd recommend that. John's Baldy, really good. I am not a sci-fi reader. I'm into fantasy, but yeah, it's very well done. It has all the elements that performed. I want to I wanna throw in on a TV show, Falling Sky. Nobody that I've talked to has really seen it. It's a I've TNT heard of it. original, so it's been produced on TNT. I compare it to The Walking Dead, but I think it's better. I think hmm. it's virtually exactly the same. Post-apocalypse, uh, the aliens have invaded and smashed a bunch of major cities. Stars Noah Wiley from ER. And uh, following this Massachusetts militia company that is going around attempting to survive uh, among these aliens who are trying to capture all the little kids and put little alien things on their backs of their heads. Throughout the first season, they're trying to figure out what they're doing, why, what the goals are. It also has robots. So I think it's much more interesting than Walking Dead in that in Walking Dead it's just zombies. And that's it. Whereas in this, there's a lot of questions as to why they're doing what Hmm. they're doing. It's cool. It's good. You know, is it on Netflix or Hulu? It is. It's available on Netflix only on disc, not on watching screen. Okay. The first season is that. You just reminded me, I don't think it would be one of my... I have two answers in mind, too, but uh, you're just talking about that one reminded me of Torchwood Season 3, oh, Children, Children of the Earth. Earth. Man, that knocked it out of the park that, that one. Torchwood is, is a show where the first season is terrible. Right. The second season has its moments. Mm-hmm. Third season is amazing. Is, like, yeah, they better always... than it had any reason to be. Do you have to watch Seasons 1 and 2 to watch No, it? I don't think you so. Don't, I don't think so. Season 4, incredible. just back to being terrible. Was it really? I haven't oh, seen that it, one. The whole show was just like reactionary shots. Like, I don't know if they lost like part of their budget when they went to stars, but a lot of the people are like, look at that! And then they don't show you what it is, just people reacting to it. Uh, I mean, people love Captain Jack Harkness. He's a great character. But, but yeah, season three. And it, it's a miniseries, too. It was only like six episodes. It was a really short run. And Children of Earth is so good. Yeah, so good. But my two, so what I thought, because I saw a lot of literature coming in, so I thought, I'm going to go to the movie route. <laughs> And I figured I wanted to end in something modern, and I started thinking, what would I define as modern? I was like, well, okay, what about what about the green and the blue screen? I'm like, when were that started to use? What was like something done green blue screen? And I, and I know my Wikipedia it was like 1938 was when the first blue screen was used. So I was like, well, <laughs> so much for that idea. I did a little bit more thinking. I came up with two. The second one's going to be more of an honorable mention. But the first one I think uh, I would go with is my last best science fiction was uh, Children of Men. Oh, yeah. That that movie when I saw I was still thinking my, of Children of Earth. You no, know, not Children of Earth. Yeah, not to be confused. Uh, Children of Men, those long shots that they had in it. But just that the, the subject itself, you know, humans going sterile and you know, the population dying out. And you have this one, uh, you know, person that's pregnant from a minority. And uh, when that movie ended, I, I couldn't. I couldn't say anything. You know, I wanted to lean over to my wife and say, what did you think? But it knocked the the wind out of me, and I just sat there in awe. It's better than what I said when I watched with my wife. I leaned over and said, let's make a baby right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's save the just human to be sure. My, my honorable mention, though, I'm going to also throw is uh, with Sam Rockwell's Moon. You know, I was thinking, Moon, uh, Duncan Jones, the director, David Bowie's son, did a great job on that. It was so, it was really. You never seen it. It's really good. I don't want to go into it because you yeah. would ruin it. It's got a good surprise in it. But one thing I thought was kind of funny about it because you know I'm watching it and I have science fiction has taught me to never trust the robots. You know, <laughs> <laughs> or the, the, 
But the robot in this movie is a really good guy. You know, he talks through emoticons. <laughs> yes, through emoticons, and it's like, and he's played oh, the by things, this thing's disappointed. You know, and you feel sorry for. Who, and who voices the robot? Now? I don't remember. Some would say it. What's the movie called? Moon. Moon. By Sam Rockwell, it's, it's which the, is on Netflix. Okay. Instant. Brilliant. Okay. It, it's absolutely. Really I saw good. that at the Wilma, and it was one of those times you know, you remember going to the movies. I remember everything about that day because that movie is just so well ingrained in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny of Duncan Jones' birth name is Zoe Bowie or Zowie Bowie <laughs> or Wowie Zowie or something like that. Wanted to get away from his uh, his father's like shadow, and so his first movie is basically one of his dad's songs. But yeah, it's great. I haven't seen Duncan Jones' new movie, the Time Travel Train movie. It might just be called Time Travel Train movie. I don't I don't know. Eighty eight yeah. seconds or eight minutes, something. Maybe that's good too. We should we should check that out. All right, let's move on. We're having a contest. We're having a contest. We're having a Super Mizcon 26 giveaway. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. A cavalcade of savings. Yes. And what all are we giving away? I don't know. What? All right. Well, we're going to give away a free weekend's pass to Mizcon 26. (gasps) We're going to give away the t-shirt for Mizcon 26. Oh, wow. We're going to give away a copy of the, you know, the Writer's Workshop. That. Uh, We're going to get one of the official Mizcon posters signed by our guest of honor. And framed. I had something else in mind. Oh, I figured I had the Miscontonic labels. I'll give away one of each of the Miscontonic labels because there's like five in the yeah, set or nice. something if like that. People haven't seen them; they look really good. And I figure we could maybe throw. It. I like that if people haven't seen them, they're good. <laughs> if you if you have seen them, you know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. And an autograph picture of Jonathan Crumbit and Johnny Dollar. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Which you can sell on eBay for thirteen cents. And I also figured, I don't, yes. <laughs> we were looking at getting some Mizcon dice made by Chessex. I figured if we get those. If we have those, them, you'll get that. If not, I don't know, we'll buy a dice set and throw in there or something you'll like You'll get that. some sort of dice. Yeah, there'll be dice in there. So, uh, now in the past, Mizcon has had trivia contests where we would print out trivia and mm-hmm. stick it on, you know, the book exchange here in Missoula or Muse Comics. But obviously with sort of the growth, you know, Miscon is becoming bigger than Missoula. We're getting people from all over coming in. We're putting on the podcast. And so, if I remember this correctly, we're going to do trivia. Right. And a series of questions over a series of podcasts. All you have to do as the listener is listen to our podcasts, answer them, and then email them to us. And yes. you are entered. So if you have all the right answers, you are entered in it. One entry per household. How many questions are we usually? Five, six, something like that? eight-ish. Eight-ish? Okay, we might have to do a couple episodes. It'll be a surprise. (laughs) You'll never know when the last question comes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this will be a podcast. I say, like, email them in now. Yeah, just keep in tune for that. Keep in tune for that? I've been playing ukulele. Keep tuned for that. I don't know. Keep listening for that. That's whatever. Stay tuned, true believer. (laughs) That's going to about do it. But I would like to quickly mention our next episode. We were lucky here this episode to have Justin come in and join us. And Gianna, who you got to hear squeak throughout most of the episode. We will be interviewing Cass McGann in our next one. So if you have any questions for Cass McGann, please email them to us at miscast at miscon.org. And we will be sure to ask her your questions in that episode. So, Justin, Gianna, thank you so much for coming down and chatting with us today. Oh, it was great to be here. Thank you. And I think that'll do it for us. I think that's it. Well, play us off then. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>